0: Hello and welcome to The Great Beyond, and is-this-good companion pod where we follow up on last week's episode, answer listener questions, and catch up with each other. The person I'm catching up with is, of course, Jason Doyle. JD, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm good. I'm back in Los Angeles, as I'm sure we'll discuss. I was in Atlanta for the last five days. Uh, But before we get to that, did anything good or not good happen to you this week? If, If me... Coming to see you was the good thing. It was a good thing. Or the not was good the thing. best thing. Feel free <laughs> no, to no. say I won't be offended.
1: <laughs> you absolutely would be offended. Yeah, probably. Well,
0: if you gave me a good reason.
1: No, oh, no. There's no... No, it, it was great. It was great having you back in the city. Uh, a lot of firsts. My first time ever to Tass Malice's house. That was a treat. Okay. And uh, Very our, nice first, home. our first pickleball game together.
0: Yeah, well, I knew we were going to get to that. I I heard you guys discuss it briefly on No Dunks. Um, Of course, the thing that was most interesting to them to discuss was how I, a relatively in shape, spry 41 year old man, injured myself playing a game that was popularized by the elderly. Uh, So I'm sure we'll get to that. But the question that I had was of course, uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know that JD's wife. Uh, J.D. as well, but, but mainly his wife is playing every single day, playing a ton, super interested in the actual pro pickleball league that's happening, watching those games. You guys even started a podcast about it. So to me, all that mattered was what did Rachel say after we played that day? Did, was she, did she
1: find the level of competition to be acceptable? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. You and Skeets and Trey, they killed it out there. She was very impressed.
0: Okay, so she wouldn't be embarrassed to have us to her her ladder leagues that she plays in uh, in Atlanta. Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh I know Skees was asking like is it okay that we're shouting, <laughs> you know, during the sport? I don't know how you don't do it. Like it's the I same know. in tennis to me. There's there's something happening almost every 10 to 30 seconds, right? Cuz either you're hitting a winner. Yeah. Or you get a point, in which case you're stoked, in which case you want to say something. Yeah. Or in my case, what's more likely is you swing and completely miss the ball, or swing, <laughs> hit it into the net, swing, hit it way too deep, and you're, and I immediately go, Matthew! God! I Like, I scream my yeah. own name. Yeah. Uh, my own full name, as if it's uh, my parents getting mad at me in 1987. <laughs> and I scream fuck a lot. Yeah. Got a lot of goddamits. I didn't yeah. like throw my racket un like in an uncontrolled MacInroe way, but in a more give up kind of way. I've just sort right. of just like dropped just it out flip of my it. hands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty, pretty demoralized at points. But you know, they were saying, "Oh, the people next to us that were I'm not going to say elderly, but they were certainly older They're than older. us, older than you." Granted, they weren't talking a lot, but there was one point where a ball rolled over from their court to our court towards rachel and i guess she was about to serve so she wasn't really paying attention and the woman just came up to her and just went ball 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 and the more that rachel wasn't <laughs> responding she just kept going louder ball, ball 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 i was like these people are not polite people like excuse me excuse me the yeah. ball our ball slipped over i'm so sorry you don't just start walking over going ball 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 well you know, i think that like a it's like a fucking crow jd <laughs>
1: Well, as you said, they're older, right? And that's like their, their big paranoia is you step on a ball and you break a hip, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, Or you, you're you going to injure yourself. So I mm-hmm. think that's where that came from. But also not very polite, but uh, whatever. Who cares?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, mean the, the courts are pretty close together in pickleball. The courts are smaller than I thought they were going to. be. I knew they would be smaller than a tennis court, yeah. but they are even smaller than I thought. So if, even in tennis, it happens if there's like five or six courts in a row, though balls are going everywhere. Yeah, and in this one in this case, because you're so close there, I mean it's it's inevitable yeah. uh, that they're gonna roll over. But you were talking that they were trying to protect Rachel from breaking her hip, perhaps, by slipping on a ball. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember a couple years ago my my friend had told me that his mother had started playing pickleball, found it to be a great workout yeah. when they were visiting Florida or whatever, and then the mother got injured playing pickleball. Mm. I, I forget what it was. I don't know if it was a hip a, a shattered wrist sticks out in my mind as something. Really? Oh my! God. Yeah, but so little did I know that I would be vic- fall victim <laughs> to the pickleball curse. Uh, I am fine. I was. I was going for a, a ball that was just outside my reach. I sort of lunged, and I don't know if I hyperextended myself or whatever. I don't know if I pulled my calf muscle or strained my calf muscle or mm. hyperextended my calf muscle. Is it a tendinopathy? I don't know. I don't know what any of these things mean, but it's a, <laughs> it was a bit of an ouchie. I couldn't play anymore, and I think this is going to be like a one-week injury based on okay. how it's feeling right
1: now. It well, do- that's great news. Yeah. That's great
0: news. Yeah. It doesn't hurt at rest. It hurts when I walk, especially uphill, so going through the airport yesterday was a bit of uh, I mean, it was totally fine. It just hurt, but uh, I think – by the time we do this next week, JD, I'm going to be sprinting again. Nice, and I That's will what I want to hear. Make my return to the pickleball court. Now,
1: did was so how? How did Jill? Did she like the pickleball? It was her first time? Your girlfriend? Yeah, it was her first
0: time. She liked it more than I thought. First time swinging any kind of racket, as I believe I mentioned on the show. I thought she was
1: really good. I thought she did great. Yeah. Um To the point where I was like, oh, because we didn't the rule the the. the um, the scoring is a little bit complicated, and the rules—that's the worst you know, part of the game. To, it to is be honest, of, it's, it's so it, complicated. That's fair. It's it's not that complicated, but it is seems overly complicated when you first jump in. Yeah. But anyways, I felt like I was like I was like, oh, am I being too like pushy with her? Like telling her where to go? Like she's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, you go up now, and then you come back now, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, and all that. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm being. Being too much, maybe he's just like, I got it, I got it, I got it. But she she came up with a pretty good uh, team name for us when it was her and I playing together. The Old Man and the C-Word. <laughs> I didn't know that. She didn't tell yeah, me that. Yeah, that's what we were calling ourselves.
0: Is that because she was <laughs> screaming the C-Word every time she had an unforced error? <laughs> <air?
1: laughs> pretty much, pretty much.
0: Also, pretty bold of her to call you an old man. Oh, I thought I was, oh, damn it. I thought I was the C-Word. <laughs> That Jilly, she, I mean, look, she certainly doesn't like it when I tell her what to do, but maybe <laughs> maybe you found a way to do it without annoying her. Um, no, but she enjoyed it, and uh, I don't care if she wants me to say that or not, but her arm was sore the next day from seeing a pickleball racket, okay? Get it together, Jill, <laughs> as, I, as I hobble behind her, dragging my <laughs> yeah, carry-on. <right. laughs> Uh, so the pickleball, that was Monday, got in on Thursday, saw you guys Friday where we recorded the episode that was released on Monday. Just want to mm-hmm. throw, just want to prove. I know the days of the week. Yeah. Um, a really weird episode.
1: It was weird. A very weird,
0: a, a fun episode. Very weird energy. Um, Couple comments that I liked. Elvis G said, commenting on YouTube, "I had to rewind this podcast multiple times after the thirty-minute mark because I was very confused as to what you were talking about, but I still loved every single <laughs> minute." <laughs> um, that's true. There were some inside jokes. There were some some needling of each other, some jabbing yeah. at each other, yeah, uh, some score settling. <laughs> and it was confusing. Jill had the same comment. She was like, "What is this? What is dude perfect? And why were you talking about them oh for fifteen minutes?" I said, "Yeah, it's a fair, fair point." Yeah. Uh, Phenomenon commented, "Was it super hot in the studio, or were you boys a few shots deep?" A lot of comments about how we seemed drunk or high. Mm. I can assure you, we weren't. We recorded this
1: at lunch, Fr- Friday afternoon. Yeah, so yeah. it was
0: just it was just weird vibes. But I was very excited to be in the Classic Factory for the first time.
1: Well, you, you you when you came in, that's the generally that's our the end of our week. So mm-hmm. the guys are usually a dot in the distance by the time you showed up. Mm-hmm. So then we all had Chick Fil A. Yeah, so we all founded Chick Fil A. Everyone's hopped up on MSG <laughs> and just you know excited excited energy, I guess. And it was your first time in the classic factory, and it's different. It's a different experience than what we're doing right now where we're a continent away, right? We're like all in the same room. I mean, I've, I've found it pretty stressful because four guys on a desk, I have I mean, we used to do it every day. But when you're trying to participate in that conversation mm. and you're trying to shoot four guys at this desk, it's, uh, it's not easy. So
0: I think there was one time where I just was like, JD, what do you think about this? And you were like, oh. <laughs> like I would rather not be involved in this. Um, well, since, since you were so busy pushing the buttons and keeping us all on camera there, I might hit you with some some is this goods that came up as okay. we go here. But I was saying at an Airbnb, I, I had a question for you. Have you ever slept on a Tempur-Pedic mattress? This is not going to turn into an ad, by the way. <laughs> I am genuinely curious.
1: Uh, I, think I, I think I have. I think my parents have a Tempur-Pedic in their house. So I think I have slept on that bed before. Okay, because I'm working out a, a take. I, this might be
0: a hot take. Okay. But I think tempur Pedic is to the twenty tens as okay. water bed was to the seventies. Hmm. Interesting. I actually don't think it's an it's a nice mattress to sleep on. It's it's squishy. Yeah. So it's like you know, you put your weight into it and then every time you move over it it, it kinda looks like the T one thousand um regenerating. It's right. hard to yeah. get I don't know. I feel a drift in it, and I feel like it makes you really hot. I don't know what
1: that is in uh, that material. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. In fact, I th- I think that a lot of times – a lot of mattress companies are go- moving away from at least marketing it as memory foam. You know what I mean? Like because it does have a, uh, a, a heating effect. So it's great. It forms to your body, right? But then you get so hot you want to move. So then you're – it's – it's uncomfortable. It's just you're 100% right. Squishy is the right word. But when they
0: came out it was so like remember how they had like temperpedic pillows you'd f- and you're like why wouldn't this be the best thing because it's just right. molding perfectly to my face or my body. And yeah. yet it's it's just like better on paper than it is in practice. Yep. Um, but it was an Airbnb so I, I don't know. There was <laughs> there were too many memories in that foam. If you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But definitely not going to leave that in the review because, Hmm. as we all know, when you leave a review for an Airbnb, no matter what happened to you, you just say, wow, what a lovely experience would stay here again. So that they say, (laughs) what a lovely guest would have them back anytime. So that the next time you need to book an Airbnb, those people feel like they want to rent to you. Hmm.
1: I mean, now we were the
0: perfect guests, though.
1: I have no doubt of that. I that the the whole thermostat being in the other unit is a completely uh that's not how thermostats work. I'm sorry Airbnb people. Like yeah. that's just not how it works. So I said this on the show,
0: I'm sure you've heard by now that um our Airbnb had no thermostat because it was sort of the bottom floor of a of a three-story house and the people lived above us and it must have the thermostat must have been there and then it's central air so that was going through the rest of the house. So we were drafting off whatever temperature they decided. So we did ask them to, to cool it down a bit because it was super hot at night. I don't know if it was yeah. the memory foam, but it was super hot at night. But there was also things like because we were below them and they had young kids, all you heard in the morning as of like 7 a.m. was just like pitter-patter, pitter-patter, run across, run across, eee, squeal, squeal. It was the weekend, you know, like wee. Yeah, yeah. So that's no good. No thermostat temperpedic mattress. I that's a little bit much to actually complain about. But I I won't be mentioning any of these th- these things. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a bad citizen of Airbnb. I'm not going to help the next person. The
1: next person is going to go there and go, that's weird. There's no thermostat in here. I wish why didn't anyone mention that in the reviews? So you're not you're not mentioning these things because you don't want to be critical of the host because you don't want to be criticized. Is that is that right? Is well, that the Well, the truth there? is that
0: it's not technically how it works because They double-blind your reviews. Yes. So you have whatever it is. Let's say seven days to write a review. They can write a review for you in those seven days, and Mm -hmm. I will write a review in those seven days, and we'll only reveal them to each other at the end of the seven days once they're both written. Right. Let's say they write a review for me and I don't write a review for them. I won't be able to see what their review is until seven days from now. But it it feels like a lot of pressure because these people are – you know, using it to make an extra buck. Maybe they're using it to pay off their mortgage and you giving it a negative review really hurts them because if you see an Airbnb that has like a four or something or a 3.8 on this on cleanliness, you're almost like, no, 0% chance that I'm renting there. So then it becomes a question of these seem like nice people. Do I want to fuck with their side business? (laughs) Right, right. It's, it's kind of like leaving a negative Uber review, like unless something terrible happens, you're kind of just like, am I going to, am I going to kill this person's source of income? Hmm. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. sort Fair. of,
0: yeah, it's a lot to do. Okay. But here's an, is this a good question for you from the flight home yesterday? Okay. Packed flight. As you know, every time you go into a flight now, they announce like 50 times, well, any of your bags, check them in before, because we don't, you know, there's not going to be enough room on the plane. And then they give you the speech. If it's a smaller bag, please do not put it in the overhead bin. Put it underneath you so that we can reserve that space for rollers and whatever. Sure. So we get on early ish, put up our bags. A guy gets on super late. As they said, they weren't lying this time. Every space was full. The flight was full. This guy comes up, and his seat was. One row ahead. So he opens our bin. Now, first of all, they tell you, if the bin is full, close it so that it, people know you where know. they can put yeah. it. So I closed the bin because it was packed to the to the brim. Mm-hmm. This guy comes, opens it, and there was a bag that could have fit under the seat, uh, the guy that was sitting next to us. He could have done it. He was an, el- an elderly man. Okay. Uh, probably a big fan of pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the guy... That was late coming on the flight. Opens the, opens the overhead thing. Grabs yeah. the bag out and just starts going, "Whose bag is this?" <laughs> the <But> elderly <laughs> man was like, "My bag." He's like, "You got to put this under your seat." So guy was like, "Okay, okay, I'll put it under my seat." So he puts it under his seat. Then I guess he also had a laptop bag, like a over the shoulder bag. The guy's okay. like, "Whose bag is this?" And the guy was like, "Well, it's mine." And I was like, well, put this under your seat. He's like, I- at this point, the like, guy's like, no, I-, I can't. There's no room. There's no room. <laughs> that thing was closed. It was full. You're late. Yeah. Figure it out on your own. And then the flight attendants started yelling, started yelling at the guy because he was opening these closed, closed yeah. things. exactly. And then, of course, goes to put in his roller bag like a goddamn idiot, like no spatial reasoning, clearly has never played Tetris. And he couldn't fit his bag in. So then he goes to sit down in a huff, puts it in the back of the plane, and I turned to the guy. I said, like, hey, do you want me to put your bag back up there? And he was like, yes, please. So I ask you, can you take
1: someone else's bag out of an overhead compartment to fit yours in? Not if you're the last person getting on a plane. I mean, no, you can't. You can't do it.
0: So even if you open one, you see this isn't packed very well. Like, if this person had taken their knapsack put it under this person had taken their shoulder bag put it under i could have room for my thing right but you don't think it's your right to do that. no
1: no i don't would i have you no...
0: call over the flight attendant and ask them to do it
1: no i wouldn't if i was get if i was that late getting on the plane i would check my bag like i would just check it in fact i'm surprised that they didn't make them make the guy check his bag getting on that late the last flight that i took i had carry-on only and they were like i was one of the last people getting on and they were like you got to check that there's no room on the plane yeah it is surprising they didn't do that but i have to say in his defense sometimes it's not like
0: you're late for the flight it's just that there's like five boarding zones and if you happen to be in cabin five or whatever yeah why are you in cabin five
1: because you paid the least amount of money.
0: No, it doesn't always work like that. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Because on Air Canada, for instance, I have no sta- I have no status on Delta, to be honest, either. But I have a, uh, a Delta Amex, so I get in Main Cabin 1 just if I buy the ticket on that credit card. Right. Boring! But anyway, when I fly Air Canada, <laughs> I pay the same price as what the ticket costs. But because I never fly Air Canada, or yeah. like once a year, they put me on Zone 5 or whatever. And you know what I do? I get it on in zone two usually. Yeah, I'll see. I see if they if they have the guts to call me on it. It's, and <laughs> sometimes they do. Sometimes, sometimes they, they say, do. "Sir," <laughs> to the back of the line, I, and I go and I pretend I'm shocked. Oh, I thought it was. I thought we were already at zone five. I'm
1: so sorry. <laughs> but uh, also, like, why? Why do you care so much? Uh, yeah. right. yeah, well, you know, my take, my hot take is, and nobody agrees with me on this. No carrier. <laughs> Everybody checks a bag. So why did because, you check a bag then? Why didn't I? Yeah. Well, because I'm playing the game and I'm like, okay, fine. All uh, but literally the last two times I took a flight, I had to check my bag anyways because I'm always I always stall to get on the plane. I never want to get on the plane early. So Yeah. So they so the, you know, I always end up checking my bag anyways. It's always there when I arrive, you know. So it's like – it's not a big deal and it takes up so much fucking time waiting for people to get all their shit together and put it up above the uh, you know, the overhead and stuff. So yeah. if I had an airline, it would be no carrier. And In no fact, reclining seats. No reclining seats and no skyways. No skyways. It's like a fucking. Sorry, what do you mean skyway? Or whatever. That uh, the, the the walkway to the plane. Oh, you, you want to walk on the tarmac? You want to be on the tarmac, the, and the reason is, you just hand your bag to the person, <laughs> right there, like a greyhound. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And then when you get off it. the plane, your bag is right there. You just wait for the guy to hand it to you, and then you walk out of the airport. Curmudgeon Airlines. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no snacks. <laughs> How about this?
0: No flight attendants. Just (laughs) a pilot.
1: Sorry, you know how many snacks you can fit in the fuselage if everybody checks their bags? Like, it would be a cornucopia of of snacks. All of that overhead space would be snacks.
0: How about this? Fill every overhead compartment with popcorn. Loose. Loose popcorn. (laughs) You get on the flight, everyone gets a bucket like at the movie theaters, and then you open the overhead compartment and
1: you just scoop it through? That's the service. It just literally... Just opens up and just dumps popcorn on you. The puré by the bathroom is hot. <laughs> is actually filled with hot butter.
0: You squirt it. that on. See, I would fly. I would fly a curmudgeon Airlines. <laughs> I don't. I don't really understand why doesn't everyone want to have their bag at their feet. Like if your bag is small enough, I'm going into my bag like ten times a flight. Pull out oh. a charger. Pull out a pen. Pull out so. my uh, laptop. Put away my laptop. Pull out my book. Exactly. Like, how do people do it when it's they're just getting up? Like unnecessarily,
1: it's very weird to me. But well, I, I mean, they look, don't. I don't. They have... they fucking move in. That's what happens. They get their all their shit out, and it's all over the place.
0: Well, let me let me ask you this about Curmudgeon Airlines because this is a problem I I have. Have you ever noticed that when the flight attendants will come down the aisle like post uh, drink snack food service, they'll push a a different cart, an auxiliary cart that just has a hole in it that's garbage, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. they come by and they stop and they're like, anyone have trash? Anyone have trash? I always. I ball up my trash. Like, if I have numerous things, I'll put it into a, a, the empty chip bag, or yep. I'll put everything into the cup, and mm-hmm. then I just—they I, come by, and they stop in my aisle, and I just want to—and I'm in the aisle. I just want to put my cup in the garbage. They don't let you do that. They insist on being the middleman <laughs> and taking your garbage from you, moving it four inches to the left, and putting
1: it in the garbage. <laughs> Am I, like, have you noticed this? The only time I've noticed that is when they want to separate their recycling. There's no recycling on an airplane. Well, I don't know. I've seen them take the cups and the dump the The only thing they recycle and... is the COVID-filled air. Oh, come on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> an airplane's the safest place to be. An airplane's the exactly. safest place to be, exactly. so, so
0: they say. <laughs> um, all right, some quick housekeeping. As you may know, we have merch. I'm not wearing it because I've worn mine so much this weekend that it's in the laundry right now. Oh, mine
1: has holes in it
0: and I've worn it
1: so much. <laughs> okay. For a second, I thought you were going <laughs> to complain as to the uh, quality no, of the God. garment. No, 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 no. no! It's uh, the highest quality mm-hmm. from Breaking Tea. I mean, uh, jokes aside, it is actually a great T-shirt. Uh, we've, we have like, I don't know, 20 T-shirts with no dunks guys. Uh-huh. All of them are bangers. You know how sometimes you order a, a different color from a di- from a t shirt company. Like you you order a black one and you order a red one, and the red one is just sort of weirdly different. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Consistency across the board. Like these are quality t shirts. Jay e. Skeets would not go with a not quality. Not saying that we would, but <laughs> Jay Skeets is one of the most fastidious people I know, and there's no way that he would. Uh, but put the No Dunks brand on a t-shirt and we're the same way. Like, these are great t-shirts. So you would say of all the No Dunks t-shirts, this is better than all of them combined? Actually, it is because I love the green. And you don't have any green shirts. We don't have any green. We have Well, you a, have a Celtics. We have a Celtics sort of Kelly green. I don't know how you would describe it. It's a lighter green, but this okay. is like a forest yeah, green. Yeah, it's a great it's, green. It's nice.
0: Skeets Pointed Out it does sort of look like the Oakland uh Not the Oakland Athletics.
1: Yeah, the Oakland. For now.
0: Yeah. Okay. The A's. Yeah, the A's. The A's. Uh, It was giving Maguire Canseco (laughs) vibes, which is kind of true. But anyways, it's a cool shirt. Go to isthisgoodpod.com to order it. Isthisgoodpod.com. And send us a picture if you're wearing the merch. I saw the hoodie for the first time, JD. Jill's sister ordered it. Okay. looks great in it. She said it's super soft. Nice. So it comes in a hoodie as well. The t-shirt... Perfect for women. I'm going to post a picture of Jill in the t-shirt because I I asked her to model it for me just to show that. Looks great (laughs) on men. Looks great on women. And, uh, yeah, so send us pics. We'll post those. Send me emails at isthisgoodpod at gmail.com. Could always use some good emails. I responded to uh, a lot of them on the flight. Almost at inbox zero. But we could always use some more topics. Subscribe to Is This Good on YouTube. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And join our Patreon, patreon.com slash good. Had a bunch of new patrons, JD, actually, after this week's episode, so that's exciting. Uh, Our next live stream hangout will be near the end of May, so plenty of time to join up. But uh, please do if you feel like it. So, as I said, we recorded an episode with you, Skeet's Tass Trey, in the Classic Factory. It was an insane episode. (laughs) Uh, The things we talked about, stealing someone's dog name for your own child. So this, is, this was an email about someone that was going to name their dog Luna, but they were out for dinner with a couple friend of theirs. And the couple said, oh, really? Because if we ever have a daughter, not saying we're going to, <laughs> we would like to name her Luna. Uh, mm-hmm. So could you not name your dog Luna? So we answered a question about that. It talked about uh, names that you want to name your kid that uh, – A memory or an association ruined that name for you. Hootsky on the Discord, and you can get access to the Discord if you join on Patreon, uh, wrote, I ruined more than a few names for my wife. For instance, she liked the name Piper, and I immediately responded, You gotta pay the Piper! (laughs) Immediately ruined. (laughs) So I like that. We did a new segment called Shark Tank, where I made everyone defend a bad topic. So I give you a topic that most people think is bad, like... Tas had to defend gender reveal parties. Skeets had to defend talking to a stranger at a urinal, which it really seemed like is something he enjoyed doing, by the way, he happily was defending it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you had to celebrate uh, to defend celebrating a birthday month, and Trey yeah. had to defend the band Limp Biscuit, which we were calling Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that he did a great job defending them.
1: Yeah, because he likes Limp Biscuit, yeah. I think.
0: Okay, but so that, that was my question to you. Is there a band. That other people think is bad that you defend because you actually genuinely like them?
1: I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, the big, it's usually the other way around. I don't like bands that people love, like Oasis. And, you know, we could do a whole. Yeah,
0: but but it's sort I of can... easier to be, to poo-poo a band that people like.
1: Yeah, yeah. I the, mean, the...
0: Even if you think of like Imagine Dragons, like they're such a popular band. It's pretty easy right. to be like, well, those guys suck. But yeah, harder yeah. to defend a band that people think is bad.
1: Right, right. The 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 one I get the most looks about or they go, ugh, really, is ABBA. Because I, ABBA is – Yeah, like AB, AB – I mean this is not – you are the wrong audience for this because you love ABBA probably just as much if not more than I do. I fucking love ABBA. Like yeah. they are a top five band for me. Mm-hmm. Um, But whenever I say like – unironically, I will say that to people and they're like – ABBA, like, like they're the worst band in the world. like, And I just don't – and I think it's because of Mamma Mia or oversaturation. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot in this country especially. I think that they get played to death. Like songs get played to death and and people just hate bands because of it. But but yeah, I mean ABBA is one that I get a lot of like looks about. Um, another one, this is my uh, – that's uh, – that people do give me a hard time about, and I can't wait for, to for the Discord to get a hold of this one. But the Sammy Hagar oh, boy. era of Van Halen uh-huh. is the best Van Halen oh, era. Oh my god!
0: Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, this it's is your true. generation. I'm not going to step into this. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, I know that most people would say the David Lee Roth is the classic yeah. lineup, yeah. and that he embodied sort of the Van Halen spirit. The most. Sure. Then I know
1: that they had some huge hits with Hagar, like they had Jump. Yeah. Uh, w- no, right no, here, no. right now? No. Uh, Jump is is David Lee Roth, but uh, right here, right now. Oh, is, you're right. You're right. Right. Is definitely Sam, Sammy Hagar. There's just way – the songs are just better written. They're just better songs with Sammy Hagar. That's, that's all I'm saying. But, Wait, I just need to confirm. Jump is for sure David Lee Roth hundred percent okay, off okay, of 1984. Okay. That's definitely David Lee Roth. Okay, okay. And don't get me wrong. Okay. I love David okay. Lee Roth. Oh, I do- love David okay. Lee Roth, but Sammy Hagar is better. It's better for Van Halen. It was a better band with Van Halen. But they were, they were, would you say they were poppier? Like they, they had some of the edges sanded off a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but also it was the time, right? Because it was, we're like talking 1984 is, I think David Lee Roth's last album with them. And then we we're like, Fucking mid to late eighties is all Sammy, Sammy Hagar right up until the right now era, which is early, right up mid to late nineties. So it's like ten years of bangers coming from Sammy Hagar. And I also found I find that a lot of the uh, the early Van Halen is just kind of wanky guitar wank. You know what well, I mean? That was like, their whole reason for being. Was I know I was know the Van Halen tappy guitar sound. Right. So I would rather listen to actual, like, hooks and good yeah. songs. I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not
0: a big Van Halen guy at all. I don't know. No. I, don't, I don't remember. Who was it that got, like, was it Billie Eilish that people got upset because some late night talk show host asked her about Van Halen and she was like, who? And it was like, <laughs> how dare you not know who Van Halen is? It's like, isn't she, like... 19 currently like, Oh, well, yeah. Like she's why just, would she? They're not exactly. Okay. I can't wait to people in the discord get hold of this. They're not that good. Like <laughs> I totally agree with you. I mean, the guitar sound is iconic and mm-hmm. incredibly influential, but yeah. like, what do I want to sit down and listen to eruption to hear like the sound of a man literally wanking? It's You're not, right. it's not interesting to me. Yeah. Though, Are you aware that Van Halen's son has been in like a funny Twitter uh sort of debate because people think that he people think that the name Van Halen is a band name and not right. the name of Eddie and Al- <laughs> the last name of Eddie and Alex Van Halen. Yeah. So I forget what the son's name is, but it's something Van Halen. So it's he's Wolfgang. Like, Wolfgang. Wolfgang Van Halen. Van yeah, Halen yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so people were like, "Whoa, Nepo like coasting <laughs> off your dad's band." And it's like, "You understand that that is my last name, right?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> Though I think like Bon Jovi yeah. His name, I think his last name is like bon, jo- bon Jovi, like uh really? unless, because I know his son is like, just got engaged to um, Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. Did you know that? No. JD, what, you don't read the trades?
1: No, I don't. People Magazine? Uh, no. No. Okay, well, they're Millie engaged. Bo- so, it, it was, so Millie Bobby, Millie Bobby Bon Jovi, like, but what is shes not taking that name, I hope. Okay, well, now, now you have to <laughs> I have to
0: clarify for you because it's a, Millie Bobby Brown is not Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown's daughter. <laughs> it's a different person. Oh, okay, yeah. So she is, I believe, nineteen, and she's engaged to uh, John Bon Jovi's son. How old is he? I think he's twenty. What's going on? Babies having babies. right? Nineteen? I love, Come on, I don't think it's going to work out. I mean, these relationships don't tend to. <laughs> but then again, I don't want to be one of these fucking weirdos online commenting like on the picture of them on Instagram. This will never work out. Like, uh, okay. I'd prefer to have like no strong opinion. I only bring it up because I that's I've been seeing his last name a lot. And right. I'm pretty sure it's B O N G I O V I.
1: Oh, interesting. Like a real
0: Italian wow. Last name.
1: But still maybe pronounced bon Jovi uh yeah, 100% still pronounced. Bon Jovi.
0: Oh okay. Or or pronounced
1: Bon Jovi. <laughs> Anyways, it's a great say? name and it's a great name for a band. Bon Jovi. I mean, that's I think a, it's kind of a cuz what's a Jovi? It sounds like anchovy. I don't think it's a good name. I think it's very memorable. You, you only think bon have Bon is better
0: than Van Halen? I do. I think
1: they have more um, bangers than Van Halen. Oof. Oof. I think well, they're bigger, aren't they? Where
0: like, oh, they're much bigger, but it's it's unfair because it's their, they, were, they were always like a straight ahead pop act, whereas yes. Van Halen had more credibility. Right, right. Which is the point I, I kind of wanted to bring up when you were talking about ABBA. Like, there was pro- definitely a time like post-disco when that music was super out of favor. And if you liked it, you were kind of, it was considered kind of like cheesy wedding music. But I feel like recently they have been reappraised as like a masterpiece pop act.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and, and rightly so. They Oh, yeah. I mean The melodies, obviously. the harmonies, it's it's insane. Like, they're and amazing. It, holds, it completely holds up. Have you seen the Bee Gees, Doc? On oh, loved HBO? it. It's so loved good. It. And so good. The, and as you just said, like, there's just a moment in time, in history, where just the entire world just turned on them. Like, yeah. they were the biggest band in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bee Gees are another band that I think are just fucking incredible. Like, oh, uh, love them! Just like so many
0: eras. Like we know, like they're most famous for their disco era, but like the sort of like perfect '60s, almost like Phil Spectory kind of songs they were writing, um, like "To Love Somebody," "Massachusetts," like all that stuff in in the '60s. Yeah, it's like perfect pop. Totally. Then they had the whole disco era. Yeah. Then they had the more like you know how deep is your love like uh, R and B kind of vibe, and they've killed it the whole way through.
1: Yeah, yeah, bangers across the board, and you know, and Barry Gibb's like when he started, he starts writing music for Barbra Streisand. Like Gibbett oh is yeah, that's the stuff greatest. Is
0: great, I time. love like, that song yeah. or a, wo- a woman in love. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was really tiny, J.D. <laughs> what we've got here is a couple old people talking about Barbara <laughs> Streisand's album that she recorded with Barry Gibb.
1: Okay, well, what do you got? What do you got for like a band that's... like A, a band that... A guilty pleasure is something that you're not...
0: No, they're not guilty pleasures. They're bands I think are good that other people think about. It. But before I get right. to those, I have two. I, I just want to say that context is what is what seems to matter a lot of time. Because, like, for instance... I was not around when, I'm going to name a few bands here, when these bands were popular. The Eagles. Yeah. Wings. Mm-hmm. Toto. ELO. Yeah. A lot of these bands were popular, but also sort of uncool and revive, reviled yes. in their times. Yep. But when I when I grow up, and I listen to Take It Easy, and I'm like, god damn, this is a good song. When yeah. I listen to Take It Limb, I'm like, this is a great song. Yeah. I mean, Hotel California is definitely fucked out, and I don't need to listen to that song ever again. But... And then you watch, like, the history of the Eagles documentary, and you're like, wow, this is a great band, an important band. But then, yeah. you know, like, you have, like, the dude in Big Lebowski going, like, I hate the Eagles. And you're like, oh, I'm supposed to hate this band. This band <laughs> right. sucks. Yeah. Uh, same with Wings, like, Paul McCartney, Post, Beatles. They were kind of considered cheesy. He was writing, like, like Band on the Run and, like, uh, Uncle Albert, and these sort of, like, weirdo songs. And, like, yeah. now you go back and you're like, maybe I'm amazed. This is an cool.
1: incredible song. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so so my ones that I that I grew up with, my two that I will defend are the Counting Crows. Okay. Yeah. And Dave Matthews Band's second studio album. <laughs> so this so is specific. I know that one because I I thought okay I'd be I'd come on here and defend the Dave Matthews Band, but I can't anymore. I mean I was Why? hugely into them, like '94 to '96 or to '97 even their third studio album uh, before these crowded streets some people love that one even by that one i'm like I, i'm out on this but <laughs> uh crash has two songs on it that i think are still like i'll still throw on in the car every now and then and be like these are good two-step yeah. number 41 they're good songs i don't looking back understand what they were doing and if i i, I saw when i l- went to listen to these songs before the show they have a new album coming out i don't know if it's this week or sometime soon. Just a squawking saxophone, like as you're sort of skipping through it. You're like, who I don't know who wants this. But Counting Crows is the one I'm interested in hearing what you think of them because I think Mr. Jones is like ninety-three or four. Yeah. Insanely mm-hmm. popular. Like this yeah. is a, a huge pop song. Um yeah. but you're older, so did you think they were uncool when August and Everything After came out? Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay, right. So that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking people that like were hip to what quote-unquote cool music was in the 90s,
1: we're not going to like the County Crows. No, not the hipsters, but they were obviously humongous. Uh, They still are, aren't they? I mean, are they still? They still are. Like, I I think that they
0: haven't really put out a great album since the third one, and even that one's not that great. But what I think a lot of people underestimate is their second album, the one August Everything After is the huge selling one with Mr. Jones and Round Here on it. Um, and, and that's, I see why people didn't like it. It's like whiny white boy with dreads, sort of like over emotional lyrics, (laughs) but I'll defend that album. But their second album, Recovering the Satellites, I think is their best album. Really? Okay. I, I encourage you to, to go and listen to that. Right. Uh, Daylight Fading, Catapult, Another Horse Dreamers, Blues, mm-hmm. Angels of the Silences, Have You Seen Me Lately, Good Night Elizabeth. I'm, these are just off the top of my head, JD. <laughs> this was what's so sad when, you, when an album comes out when you're like 15 or something and you buy it on CD and you're forced to listen to the full thing the and love thing, the full yeah. thing because you cannot just buy another album. <laughs> and then like... Thirty years later, you still know every track on it. Yeah, it is, that's, it's weird. So those will, those great be the ones
1: that defend. Stuff. So every now and um, then I'll hear you defend Weezer still. I I I just defend them to my kids all the time. They're like, Weezer's cringe. Like, <laughs> well, your kids are right. Yes, they're you're not wrong, but they're also awesome. I love Pinkerton is one of my all time favorite albums. Then uh, the Blue Album is great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm doing the same thing with Counting Crows. I'm saying like their first two albums are classics. Right. Not sure what the rest of the catalog's looking like. Same and same for Weezer. So I
1: sure I'll defend I'll defend Weezer too. That guy is he was I think he was was he married to Vanessa Carlton? Adam Duritz. Yeah. He
0: was. Am I dreaming that? Dating a like he dated I think Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. Okay. He dated. He was sort of known as a. P-hound? A '90s stick man, <laughs> a '90s hat. Yeah, and that also was... that's why people hated him too. They were like, "What's this? Like, sort of <laughs> overweight, like mopey loser with dreads? Why does he get to <laughs> go out with all these people?" Hey, man, sing a song. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Shall we get to the comments of the week? Let's do it. All right. So we had an email on the last show. It was Patreon only, so I'll explain it briefly. But basically, uh, someone wrote in, someone named Evan wrote in to say that they had just moved to the suburbs and he was doing some renovations on his house. And these neighbors came over with white claws and they were interrupting him and they weren't leaving him alone. And they were sort of gossiping about the neighborhood and he wasn't into it. And they were he was doing chores. He was doing chores, and they then refused an invite to a neighborhood event, and now they're blacklisted. His <laughs> wife was a little bit upset that they're persona non grata in the neighborhood. and he was, But he was happy about it, and he was asking us. The this was like, did I do the wrong thing? Like, is my wife right? Like, should I try to make my neighbors friends? And I will say that you and Skeets and Tass and Trey were, were sort of against him and saying, like, yes, you move to a neighborhood. You should be friendly with these neighbors. You should put in an effort. And I did a more devil's advocate and said, I feel like it would be a disaster to live near people on your left, your right across the street, and not really like them. But every time you go to get in your car, go to the mailbox or hang out in the backyard and they can see over the fence into your porch, they're like, oh, you're having a beer. I'll come over. I'll say hi. Right. And you yeah, just yeah. get into these sort of mundane conversations with people that you can't escape. Right. And... Uh, Evan wrote back as a piece of follow-up, so I'm going to read that to you, and I think it's going to answer a lot of the questions we had. <laughs> hey, Matt, the reasons you listed as worries were exactly why I receded from the potential friendship. These particular neighbors were giving off very over-involved vibes, and their inability to take a hint had me having nightmares of uninvited garage beers and lengthy conversations about the weather. I will concede that I am traditionally a curmudgeon. Oh, JD? Yeah? Looks like we've got a customer on Curmudgeon <laughs> Airlines.
1: Oh, awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and my natural inclination is to assume that people suck. So it's nice to hear the perspective of the No Dunks boys as well. As an update, I will say I've settled into a, quote, lend-a-tool relationship with my next-door neighbor on the right and a friendly conversation during yard work with the ones on the left. We have set the boundaries we want with the others, sorry, right, and yeah. Anne, my partner. And, by the way, J.D. is also a peahound. Oh, great. Very <laughs> exciting. Uh, she agrees that we don't want to be friends with the nosy neighbors. As for being snobby, so J.D., if you remember... You said, I think Evan's being snobby because he specifically mentioned that his neighbors came over with White Claws. And I think Evan thinks, who are these losers bringing over White Claws to me? Yeah. Well, you were right, JD. He says, oh. as for being snobby, I 100% was. They showed up with White Claws and an energy that I could not match. And I decided in the first 15 seconds that these people were not my Gene and Terry.
1: Uh, so that's from Evan.
0: Gene and Terry, by the way, uh, were Trey's neighbors that have bands play on their porch
1: mm-hmm. uh, sort
0: of the kings of their community right. uh, but good call jd so you thought he was being snobby about the white claws and you were yeah right.
1: well you know um it wasn't a neutral with the one the one with the umlaut so uh <laughs> are they still a- paying you for advertisement
0: no, no i'm just kidding. okay because i i had my first neutral yeah when i visited you yeah and i guess i won't say what i thought about it <laughs> okay
1: you don't have to. Because but... <laughs> they're not paying us.
0: But it was better than I thought.
1: A little okay. too sweet.
0: A little too sweet. But yeah. you poured over ice a perfectly fine yeah. hard seltzer.
1: It's a it's a chef's kiss.
0: A chef's kiss. All right. So listen to this week's show. That's already out with the No Dunks Guys. Again, super fun episode. On Monday, we have uh, Ariel Helwani coming on, which Whoa. is very exciting. Uh, you know him from his work reporting on the MMA for tangling with the dastardly Dana White. Uh, he's <laughs> on The Ringer. He's on HBO. He's on Showtime. He's got over a million followers on Instagram. So he is, uh, like me, Jewish and from Montreal and the same mm-hmm. age. But unlike me, successful. So <laughs> we're excited to have him on. Uh, so definitely look up for that. Email us at isthisgoodpod at gmail.com. Subscribe everywhere. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. JD, if you don't have anything else to say, I'm pausing in case you do. I don't. Okay. Everyone, be good. This is JD (laughs) and Matt reaching out from the great beyond. We'll see you next week.